Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. No, that didn't count because I was shifting. Oh, well, do your cheek thing then, too. Chuck. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. Chuck Bryan is staring dully forward. You have the dull stare of the dairy cow, not the eye of the tiger, Chuck. Right. This is in tribute to the lobotomy episode. (laughs) Nice. Did I just give you a verbal lobotomy? You did. You don't want to know what we're talking about. Yeah. Bad things. Hey, Chuck, uh, when I was a kid, I was in the Cub Scouts. Okay. Sure. Yeah, Cub Scouts. I never made it to Boy Scouts. I don't even... Yeah, I definitely didn't. Um, And I... You would think that that would have helped shape me as a, as a young man, right? Yeah. You would be wrong. Okay. I can tell you one thing that shaped me more than Cub Scouts ever did, and it was a single picture, a photograph, and all it was was a leg, and there was a sock and a slipper attached to it, uh-huh. black and white. And the thing about this leg is it wasn't severed. The end of it was charred. Yes. And it turns out that this leg belonged to a guy named Dr. Irving J. Bentley. And the photo was taken in 1966 Uh in his Pennsylvania home. And what happened to Dr. Bentley was that he spontaneously combusted. And I thought that was the coolest thing I had ever heard of in my entire young life. You really remember seeing that? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. And actually, strangely enough, I was at a nursing home once, Mm -hmm. and I saw in real life something that startled me because it looked just like it. It was a prosthetic leg. And it was just dumped on this gurney that uh-huh. also had like a TV, bedpans. It was apparently like a mobile storage closet right out in the hallway. Right. But there was a prosthetic leg that went from the knee to the foot. Mm-hmm. And it had like um, knee-high pantyhose on it and a shoe still. I'm like, all these people are going to die soon. Can we maybe keep this out of their line of sight? Right. But uh, yeah, so I saw that. I immediately thought of Dr. Bentley's leg. But yeah. yeah, so I used to just think spontaneous human combustion was the coolest thing ever. It is pretty remarkable. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Why not? That's a great idea. And I feel bad because someone requested this last week, and I don't have the name. I apologize to whoever is out there. This is for you. Becky. Becky, this is for you. No, Binky. Binky. That's right. (laughs) So, yeah, this is a listener request. Have you noticed the uncomfortable pauses have been increasing in frequency lately? It's because you're wearing sunglasses, and it's weird. No, it's not just today. Okay. Yeah. You don't like the shades? Uh, it's just off-putting because I can't see your beautiful uh, browns. <laughs> You're a dreamboat, Chuck. So, Chuck, let's get back to spontaneous human combustion. Yes. Um, the earliest written account of it occurs in 1663. Right. And Dutch anatomist Thomas Bartolin wrote of a woman in Paris who, quote, went up in ashes and smoke, right? While which she was is, asleep, right? W- right, which is normal enough. The weird thing is, is this woman, you know, as I imagine was normal for the era, was sleeping on a straw mattress, yeah. and the straw mattress didn't go up. Yeah. That, Just the woman did. That was the first clue that something uh, was odd. Something amiss. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, the a couple of years later, there was a guy who, uh, he was French. His name was Jonas Dupont. Mm-hmm. And he, apparently, the, there were enough stories of spontaneous human combustion that he put a collection of them together called uh, De Incendis Corporis Humani Spontaneous. Latin. Dead language. Not a dead language. Oh, yeah? No, trust me. Listener okay. mail came in and scolded us for saying it was a dead language. I know. It's just a phrase. Sure. That it's dead. Yeah, it's a figure of speech. Yes. 
So um, <clears throat> apparently this has been around for a while. Yeah. And it, At it, least since the 17th century. And right? it's only happened a uh, couple of hundred times, they think. Between two and three hundred times. Dude, people burning up inexplicably a couple of hundred times, that's pretty significant. I mean, that oh, yeah. lends a lot of credence to it, sure, in my sure. opinion, you know? So yeah. let's talk about spontaneous human combustion. And it's actually differentiated from just spontaneous combustion because you stick the human in there, it means a person is burning up. Yeah, other things can spontaneously combust. I know like uh, a bucket of oily rags or yeah. uh, hay bales have been known to combust. Which is weird because we know how a bucket of oily rags can combust. Sure. Um, the as, as the oxygen interacts with the oily rags, it can actually raise the temperature to the ignition point and then right. boom, there you go. Or, or a kid goes by and throws a match in it. Yeah, one of those two. You know, we used to believe that field mice were born from uh, leftover grain. Really? So yeah, so maybe oily rags don't really combust spontaneously. It is just little kids. Never thought about it. Yeah. Uh, so let, let's talk about this, Josh. We have um, the deal is is it, your extremities remain intact. That's one of the telltale giveaways. Sometimes. I thought it was all the time. No, it's most of the time. Okay. Yeah, but not always. So what we're saying is by that we mean that the torso and the head are usually burned through, and then there's usually a foot or a leg or an arm like or any Dr. Combination. Bentley. Yeah, exactly. Um, and another characteristic is that the, the surroundings, the immediate surroundings are often left untouched. Yeah. Or they have strange burn marks to them, not your typical burn marks or, you know, the room doesn't catch on fire for right. some reason. A sweet, smoky smell mm-hmm. and a greasy residue. Greasy residue. Yeah. Mm. Imagine freaky. licking a greasy residue off of the, a piece of furniture in a room where someone spontaneously combusted. I- yeah. I would prefer not to. That would be gross. So unnecessary. So, uh, and then a, a lot of times the, um, like you said, the limbs are left untouched. It's very rarely, um, in cases of spontaneous human combustion, does do the victim survive? But they have. Yeah, this is freaky. Sometimes it's just burn spots forming on somebody's right. like, body. Or somebody will start smoking. Yeah, imagine smoking, just smoking. Yeah. That's with, with crazy. no fire present. No, none. There's no flames whatsoever. You're just smoking, or all of a sudden you're you're burning. Uh huh. Um, so so those are very very rare, but they have been documented before, right. right? Yeah, I can't imagine that'd be so bizarre. So what's up next about it? Uh, well, I guess some theories on why it happens. Well, first let's point out why this is weird. If it's not obvious enough, yeah. But the, the combustion for combustion to take place, you need intense heat. Right. You need a flammable substance. Right. We're not too terribly flammable. We'll burn, right? Yeah. If if somebody douses gasoline on us and throws a match. Oh yeah. Um, but that's about that. So that's why spontaneous human combustion, scientifically speaking, is so weird. Yes. Right. Um, and and what what's what's the earliest explanation you came across for how spontaneous human combustion works? Uh, the earliest explanation, are you talking about the, the Dickens, mm-hmm. uh, Charles Dickens? Well, well he, he reflected a, a widely held belief at the time. Right. In his novel uh, Bleak House, he had a character that he killed off uh, by spontaneous human combustion, which I thought was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Or not funny, but kind of cool. Um, <laughs> the character's name was Crook, and he was an alcoholic. So at the time, they posited a theory that maybe excessive amount of, uh, amounts of alcohol, which, as we all know, is flammable in the body, caused this. Yeah. Um, apparently, one theory is that uh, methane builds up in the intestine. Mm-hmm. Which is flammable. Methane's flammable. Definitely. It's very flammable. And it's a terrible greenhouse gas. Did you know that? I did. Um, and then some sort of enzyme that acts uh, as a catalyst uh, in cellular processes and builds up heat as a byproduct uh, ignites this methane and kaboom. 
But there's a problem. There's a big problem with it. Yeah. Uh, most of the victims, when they spontaneously combust, they have more damage to the outside of the body than the in- internal organs. So that kind of flies in the face of that theory. Definitely. So we poo-poo that one. We poo-poo that one. Uh, uh, static electricity? Yeah. Go ahead. I guess. I mean, that's pretty much it. You yeah. get static electricity buildup on the outside of your body. And yeah. Again, kaboom. Right. Or magnetic force, a geomagnetic uh, magnetic force exerted on the body is another one kind of along those lines. Again, these are entirely possible. Uh, there's another one that's possibly a little less credible, posited by Larry Arnold, who is a, an expert and investigator. A self-proclaimed expert. Well, whatever. I mean, aren't all? No, some people are vetted. Okay. Um, well, he also wrote a book called Blaze, and it's like an account, an amazing account of spontaneous human combustion stories, which I got to tell you, I would have eaten alive at age eight. Oh, sure. Um, but yeah, so he, he has a, his own hypothesis, and it's that there's a subatomic uh, particle called pyroton, right? Yeah. Uh, and that when it interacts with cells in a certain way, it can create an explosion, the big problem with this yeah, is a mi- that a miniature explosion. We should point out. Okay, not some huge. Depending on how much methane's built up in your intestine. Yeah, if you know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> uh, the big problem with it is that this particle's theoretical. It hasn't been proven to exist. Yeah, he made it up or made up the name at least. Yeah, pyroton. It's a good name. Yeah, it means fireton. You know what I like? What I like the Wick theory. Uh, this one makes the abs- the most sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the Wick theory. Uh, you know how a candle works, Josh? I do, Chuck. Would you like me to explain that? <laughs> no, I will. Okay. A candle has a wick, which everyone knows, and that wick is surrounded by wax, which sure. is made of uh, flammable uh, acids, like fatty acids. Fatty acids, or it can be petroleum, like paraffin wax. Right, or my wife's candles are soy. Oh, on um, loveyourmama.com? <laughs> yeah. Are they available for sale on loveyourmama.com? They are indeed. Huh. Uh, so the wax uh, ignites the wick, and it keeps the wick burning. And so... A lot of people, a lot of scientists, where scientists actually uh, come in and say they think that folks may like drop a cigarette, and then that cigarette catches their clothes on fire. The wick, which is the wick, and uh, then what? The fats of the body start uh, to, to melt, ignite, and melt. Which they are flammable. We right. said earlier that we're not re- we're not generally flammable. We will burn, and what's burning m- most readily is our fat. Right, but that kind of creates like a contained slow burn. Mm-hmm. In that the th- it surrounds, like, on. say, your your pajamas are on fire. Right. It surrounds it, and it continues, it allows the wick to continue to burn very slowly. Right. Right? But what about extremities, Chuck? Why are people's limbs left intact? Well, my thought would be that uh, the limbs don't have as much uh, fat going on. That that actually is a pretty good explanation. What I read was that um, it has to do with the temperature gradient. Oh, okay. That they simply don't p- p- contain as much heat. Like, you know how your arms get colder than, say, your torso? Oh, right, right. So, like, if you hold a match upside down, uh, what's, what's uh, at the bottom of something that's burning mm-hmm. is usually cooler than what's at the top. Yeah, so which is why when you out. light a match, you're supposed to hold it upright. If you hold it upside down, a lot of times it'll go out because there's simply just not enough heat to sustain a flame, right? right? So the the idea with the wick effect is that eventually this the the flames the the candle the human candle mm-hmm. God, I'll bet that's something to see. Yeah. Um, the human candle eventually gets to a point in the body where there's not enough heat to sustain the flames, and ipso facto, you have just somebody's foot sitting there right yeah. did you see the graphic in the article i didn't i saw like the printout of it I, I haven't gone through and looked at the flash 
Animation. Yeah, it's pretty cool. There's like little three stages you can click on, and it shows the body burning, and then the body torso, you know, decomposing, and then at the very end, you're left with limbs laying on there. Awesome. I'm checking that out for sure. Is it as cool as the uh, face transplant illustration? A neg- neg- negative. Mm-hmm. Not anywhere close. <laughs> but it's good. So, uh, okay. so that's what science says. And that's what I say, too. I think that makes a lot of sense. It does. And you actually, drop a smoke on your chest, sure. and then that, that's yeah. what happens. And that's supported, actually, by... A lot of revelations of people who have been, um, who have spontaneously combusted that they were in fact smokers. Right. Um, and they probably caught themselves on fire. Right. And in this really strange series of events, they turned into human candles. Right. And then some people. Which again, uh, man, all yeah. that scene that is nuts. I believe uh, some people they've uh, decided after the fact were uh, pretty hardcore alcoholics. So they may have been passed out in a stupor. And then some people were infirm and they couldn't uh, get out of bed. Uh, in a normal state, and so they were kind of trapped there. So these things come out after the fact that kind of yeah. make scientists think, well, it's really not spontaneous combustion. Someone dropped a cigarette, sure. and they were passed out drunk, and so they burned. I think the point is is that if you're a caregiver to an infirm individual, if you light a cigarette and stick it in their mouth, stick around to make sure that uh, you put it out once they're done with it. Yeah. Because it, it can end up really bad for them if right. you don't. What's weird to me is that nothing else burns in the house. Well, that's that wick effect. That's the yeah. fat protecting the actual burning. It's burning inside. It's, it still seems like it wouldn't be so hard for a bed sheet to spark right. up. That is, it is odd. I agree with you. And but that's I, what makes it so cool is that it's so, you know, unexplained. Right. Yeah. Well, I think, um, yeah, yeah. And it seems like it will probably always be unexplained because there's no way to replicate it in a laboratory. No, yeah, not at all. And they always find this after the hypothesis. fact. Sure. So that's all they can do. Yeah. So, Chuck, let's talk about some real-life amazing uh, incidents of spontaneous human combustion. Man, do you hear the eight-year-old in me coming out? I do. Uh. But that's not unusual. Uh, <laughs> 1938. Set the, set the scene for us, Chuck. It's 1938, Josh. It's a warm night. A 22-year-old woman named Phyllis Newcomb was leaving a dance hall at uh, in England, in Chelmsford, England, and she was going down the staircase of the hall, and her dress just caught on fire out of nowhere for no reason. Mm-hmm. And she ran to the back of the ballroom and collapsed on fire, which I bet was quite a sight, too, at the dance. And uh, people rushed to her aid, but it was too late, and she died in the hospital. And, you know, there were theories that it that combusted, but then some other people said, no, it was probably just a cigarette that someone dropped. So Yeah. That one's actually the weakest one I've heard. Well, that's because I saved the pearls for you. Let me... No, you've got the biggest pearl since you started, and there's three of them. All right, go ahead. No, you this can one's, do that one. This one's pretty... No, I think you should do the last okay. one. Um, the, the, this case, uh, Mary Reeser, a 67-year-old widow who in 1951 was discovered in her house in St. Petersburg, Florida. Um, her front door was actually hot, and yeah. a neighbor broke it down and found that um, Mary was sitting in her easy chair. There was a black circle around her, I imagine a charred circle, mm-hmm. um, and... Her head had been burned down to the size of a teacup. That's pretty good. That was about all that was left except for her backbone and part of her left foot. That was it. Yeah. And apparently her easy chair was still at least enough intact for her to be sitting up and it it to be erect. Right. The, the, so it didn't burn completely up? No. That reminded me of Beetlejuice. Yeah. Visually when I read it. That's the first thing I thought of. Yeah. The, uh, the explore, waiting room scene. Sure, yeah. That's a great scene. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And actually the coroner... Uh, Dr. Wilton Krogman, um, he wrote uh, about the incident in his notes, apparently, that uh, were I living in the Middle Ages, I'd mutter something about black magic because it was just so curious. 
Interesting. I thought that was probably the coolest thing a coroner's ever written. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, all right, so Chuck, take it home, baby. Knock it out of the park. Yeah, 1982. I'm just a mere 11-year-old rug rat in Atlanta, Georgia. Josh is, what are you, like four? Six. Six. So you're already causing trouble. Yeah. Uh, a mentally handicapped woman named Jean Lucille Jeannie Saffin was uh, sitting with her 82-year-old father in northern London. Uh-huh. And according to her dad, he saw a flash of light out of the corner of his eye, and he turned to his daughter and saw that her upper body was enveloped in flames out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So he and his son-in-law, uh, Donald Carroll, managed to put out the fire, but she died of third-degree burns. Tell them what, what he said later of the incident. This is the best part. He said, quote, the flames were coming from her mouth like a dragon, and they were making a roaring noise. That is so nuts. I know. That is crazy. Can you imagine seeing your daughter no. with flames roaring out of her mouth? No, because I don't have a daughter. <clears throat> okay. That would be really weird. Yeah, it would be. It would be a little disconcerting, especially since uh, some people suspected that um, it's possible an ember from his pipe right. set her daughter on fire. Right. And led to flames coming out of her mouth and making a roaring sound. You know, the TV show Fringe actually covered spontaneous human combustion recently. What? Just like uh, House did uh, alien hand syndrome recently, but they were both kind of sensationalized, so it wasn't How very... How so? Well, they just, it wasn't really science-y. It was, you know, it was for TV, so... Sure. But they tried. Science can be boring, Chuck. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you to our friends at the Fox Network for taking science, exploiting it, and making it much more interesting. And uh, let's see. I guess that's what... Uh, listener mail time? It is. So, Josh, I'm just going to call this amusing fan mail. Got okay. A, got a couple of light ones for I change. like the sound of this. I remember a couple of weeks ago when I said, yeah, I'm going to plug it like, and I couldn't think of a plug analogy. Nothing you could say. Nothing I could say. We had a guy uh, named Scott write in, A. Scott, and his last name is something, A. Scott Blank. He, uh, he wrote in and said, he gave us a few suggestions. We're going to plug it like a Dutch boy at a dike. <laughs> nice. We're going to plug it like a B-list celeb on Letterman. Okay. We're going to plug it like an out-of-work plumber at a rest stop. Meh. Meh. Uh, we're going to plug it like a hair club for men convention. I like that That's one. That's pretty good. Or we're going to plug it like the Notorious B.I.G. Okay. Which I don't get that one. Uh, I think that's a reference to shootings, maybe? I don't know. I'm not, I wasn't a big Biggie fan, so maybe there's something in there. Yeah. And then this one comes from uh, Katie in Wisconsin. Katie says, Hi, Chuck. Hi, Josh. Long-time listener, first-time writer. Love you. Love your podcast. But seriously, Wisconsin? <laughs> she took us the task. Yeah, right? I know. Uh, no, the way you said Wisconsin the first time was just fine. Nobody here really says it like that. I'll try to explain how Ascani says it. Ascani? We uh, <laughs> sounds like the start of whistle, so we. Yeah. Scon, the O sounds like O and con man, not can man. So we. Scon. Wisconsin. Okay. Sin, S-I-N, like the seven deadly sins. Sin. Uh, so, Wisconsin. So, the way we were saying it the first time, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, it's it's just Wisconsin. And we you don't need to drag out the A like that. She said that's just a bunch of bunk. And she said, I guess some French still spell it O-U-I, Wisconsin. So, Wisconsin. And she thinks that's neat. And I do, too. As do I. So, Katie from Wisconsin, thank you for pointing that out. And uh, we love you guys in Eau Claire. Yeah. And elsewhere. You, Claire? No, it's Eau Claire. Oh, that's right. So, uh, yeah, if you have any amazing facts about Wisconsin or any other place on the planet, or if you just want to say hi or whatever, you can send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. 
For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more HowStuffWorks? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?